listening to season two of the Your Brand, Your Story podcast, hosted by Megan Ingram, founder of digital agency, Ingram Digital Consulting. We're bringing on a unique selection of 16 diverse marketing guests in season two to tell their stories. We talk with brand leaders and agency leaders to freelancers and entrepreneurs, featuring voices from brands like Pearl Vision, Public.com, and nonprofits, Teach for America, and Salvation Army. This season is all about brand storytelling and how you can create connections, campaigns, and community through the power of stories. For the past 10 plus years, Alexandria Cormier-Hill has used her love for storytelling, community, and data to create compelling, relevant, and forward-thinking marketing experiences for customers nationwide. She's worked with brands such as Teach for America and Blavidity, and was listed as one of Houston's top 100 social media influencers. Today, she joins the Your Brand, Your Story podcast, and we talk about why data and authenticity are critical for great brand storytelling and building positive marketing communities. Great to have you on today. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm super excited myself. I, this is going to be a fun one. It's a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, before we dive into brand storytelling and all the things and building better marketing communities, I'd love to hear about your digital marketing path from blogger to now director of marketing for one of my favorite nonprofits, Teach for America. Yeah, so I started blogging, honestly, out of frustration. So <laughs> not necessarily like a venting kind of blog, but um, so I was I want to say it was maybe like a year or so out of college, and I really appreciated how the student organizations that I was in helped with my professional development and how that kind of helped me with professional like connections and networks and just like how I saw myself growing as a professional post like graduation. And um, I, <laughs> I also kept in touch with like some friends and some people like still in college, and it kind of frustrated me that they didn't take those things like to their advantage, but also it really frustrated me that the organizations didn't necessarily like position it as a place to really like lean yeah. in and learn all these leadership skills. Um, <laughs> and I think the most things that I saw in terms of uh, platforms talking about those things in regards to student organizations, they kind of focused on like partying and like different uh, like performances and stuff like that. And yeah. so I'm kind of like, it was boring, basically. And I was like, this is not, this is not all that we are. Um, and so I started writing about like my experiences in a college and how I use certain organizations and certain opportunities to kind of like uh, set myself up for success after graduation. Um, and then I started <laughs> getting a little bit deeper into like, well, some of these areas didn't really it wasn't optimized by the organization. So this is how organizations on campus can usually um, put together like workshops or um, different content for their student, uh, for their students in the organization to kind of like build on these leadership skills. So mm -hmm. I gave them content to use. Um, and granted, I didn't really send it to anybody. I'm just like, if anybody reads this blog, it's there. So, <laughs> um, and so in the process of me doing that, one of my blogs went viral um, because there's a lot of things that like nobody talked about within like a public space, but in all my like group chats and like Facebook groups and just like everyday conversations, it was things we talked about all the time. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, that's interesting. And it's like, well, how do I, how do 
to redo this? <laughs> and where can I redo this from like a brand perspective? And so with every like job opportunity that I've had, I kind of dug into that. Okay. So how does this, what are we talking about? And how does this actually tap into the everyday conversations that people are having, the everyday habits that people have? Um, and how can we optimize this to where it seamlessly fits into their lifestyle? Yeah. And so that's kind of what I'm not kind of, but that is what I'm doing at Teach for America now. So I'm the director of content marketing and I help come up with copywriting and uh, strategies for connecting with all our different audiences. So whether it's donors, whether it's prospective like uh, core members or even like the current teachers and alumni really trying to come up with different content that really resonates with their life. I'm like, how can we help you? Um, as an organization and what is it that's going to help you and how can we present that in a really intriguing and authentic way? Awesome. Well, I mean, that's, that's so awesome. And like I said, you know, I, you know, we're all about authentic storytelling. So to kind of talk a little bit more, you know, you obviously mentioned you're an avid brand storyteller. Why do you believe data and authenticity are key pillars in building great content marketing and even marketing communities at large? Yeah. So I think data is such an undertapped resource. <laughs> I feel like I feel like when people hear data, they either think that there's so much of it, or they don't know like where it is. They, they assume that they don't have data. Data is just yeah. information. It's collected information that you're supposed to use as a reference to make informed decisions, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. a lot of times, we'll think of data as just like a whole, like you see these little numbers, like a whole bunch of stats and stuff. And people are like, I don't know statistics. I don't want to dig into that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the numbers uh, and just even like uh, ob- observational data, like it tells stories. It tells how people naturally are inclined to behave and think and feel. And so whenever you're able to actually tap into that, even a small subsect of it, you're able to get a deeper understanding of who you're talking to, why you're talking to them, where you should be talking to them, when you should be talking, like all those things. And then you're able to really think, okay, well, this kind of content would fit really well with this person's life at this particular time. And so whenever they see it, it's not a sale. It's kind of like, oh my God, I needed that. Why wasn't this in my life earlier? And they just go ahead and like, they take it on for themselves. And so I think whenever you're able to really dig into the data and and not (laughs) use it for like a selling point, but using it as a serving point, you're able to see how you can authentically like connect with your audiences in ways in which they'll see it as a, oh, thank God this is here and not like, oh, this person is trying to like sell me something. Yeah. And kind of touching on that, you know, you, t- you know, I've found often data liter- literacy is an important part of that, like getting people within the organization to understand like what it, what that all means. Have you mm-hmm. been through maybe an experience where you it wasn't received the way you wanted it to or had received pushback on using data in that way? Mm, That's a good question. I have when it's like the raw data, right? So someone's sending me a whole bunch of graphs and like (laughs) statistics and people are like, I don't know what this means. I don't know why you're sending it to me. I'm not a numbers person. And so because... I think also the concept of data just seems so convoluted and confusing and intimidating that people don't want to deal with it at all, right? There's a disconnect happening between brand reception versus what consumers actually say. A recent Marketing Dive article cited an overwhelming 92% of marketers believe that most or all of the content they create 
resonates as authentic with consumers. So brands largely believe that they are creating authentic content. But the interesting part of this study says, yet the majority of consumers disagree, with 51% saying less than half of brands create content that resonates as authentic. So while we as brands and agencies and the people who create content feel that we are truly creating authentic content, it's not resonating with consumers. It's not feeling real. It's not feeling, um, they're not getting that connection out of what we're creating. So how can we change that? How can we truly create content that people respond to, engage with, and want to create conversations with? And so one of the things I recently did actually, because uh, <laughs> we're trying to also learn how to use data more effectively here, yeah. is take all the data that we're getting from our analytics team and um, put it into like a visualization. So like different like fun infographs or things that people love infographs. That's why they're so popular. It makes data easy to understand. Yeah, exactly. And fun. So if you put it in a format like that, now granted, if you're not like artistically inclined either, they got Fiverr and stuff for that. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. find a way to get it done. But if you put it in a visualization that's fun and that breaks down the concept into simple terms, in a language in which the person that you're talking to understands and uses, then it's an easier sell because, oh, they're like, oh, I know what that is. I understand what yeah, that is. Exactly. How it plays into what I'm trying to do. Okay, I get it now. Yeah, no, 100. I total, totally agree. Yeah. You've talked about the importance of being a quote unquote narrative creator. What does this mean to you and how does this help you to find, define, and refine a brand story? Good question. So, I am an added believer that you can create your own story. Like you don't have to let other people tell your story for you, whether you it's a personal brand, whether it's a, a corporate brand, <laughs> how you move and groove is up to you and how people perceive you is up to you. Um, that's my belief, but you can do that by tapping into like your core beliefs. Like what do you want to stand for? At the end of the day, if someone mentions your name, yeah. What do you want to come to mind? And then you use that to guide all of your decisions. Um, and so I believe when, and I, I think in regards to like corporate entities, they usually use that for like the mission and the vision. But how often do you really actually like live into your mission and vision on an everyday basis? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, you rarely hear about it. You maybe hear about it in like the onboarding, but that's probably about it. Um, but one of the things, one of the things that I do often is I use that to guide my work. So I have in my, um, checklist, I'm like, how does this play into this mission? How does this play into the vision? Yeah. How does this play into these core values? And if it doesn't match that, I don't do it. One of, one of the more interesting projects I ever worked on, um, on the agency side was you actually, they took, uh, took all the company's mission statements for like the top 50 brands and actually looked at their social media and said, do the two align, right? Because so often a company will say, hey, this is what I'm about in like two to three sentences. But then when you go and you look at their social media, it's like, you don't you don't feel that. Mm -hmm. I always use Nike as the classic example, right? Like they're inspire, motivate athletes. And every time you look at their posts, every time you see them, you you feel that about their brand, but not all brands are doing that. And quite often it, you find that's not the case. Right. And I think it's because it, it, it goes from a place of like, 
a selling mindset to a service mindset. Like Nike wants to serve the the athletes. They need these <laughs> athletes to perform and they want them to feel confident and they want them to feel secure and powerful. And so all of your content has to, well, one, you have to believe that they can be that. And yeah. then once you believe that they can be that, then everything else kind of flows from that. And so I think if, if brands kind of made that an everyday like alignment, it'd be easier to create content that really helps them control the narrative. Because even someone says, oh, I don't really think they live into that. There's a slew of people who can be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we have receipts. We have examples of how they yeah. actually lived into this mission and vision. Yeah, no, totally agree. I want to take that Nike example a step further and call out the Nike and Colin Kaepernick campaign that they created. And just for those of you who aren't familiar with it, I would think majority are because it got a lot of attention. It had the campaign tagline, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything, hashtag just do it. It was a highly political moment. They received a lot of backlash and negativity on it. But at the end of the day, I think it is a great example about how you can create authentic connection with consumers. They understood their consumers. They created a big moment regardless of what the risk was by by creating that campaign. And at the end of the day, they were able to drive 163 million in earned media, a 6 billion brand value increase, and a 31% boost in sales. So for those of you out there who say, you know, community management and authenticity, it doesn't drive ROI, the proof is right there. It does. You just got to be willing to take that risk. And believe me, you will see the rewards. So using data and authenticity, how would you say marketers can build better content across their entire marketing life life cycle? Uh, So... Data really helps. Okay. Data can really help you dig into, like I said, like the day-to-day kind of activities and thoughts and feelings and stuff like that. And so (laughs) a lot of times I think when we think about like marketing or storytelling, we're always thinking about the initial sale, like the acquisition side of things, right? Like how do we get this person to buy our stuff? And then after it's just like, thanks for buying from us. <laughs> you kind of just like leave it at that yeah. um, until you have like another sale or promotion or whatever. But no one really thinks about, I shouldn't say no one, but I wish <laughs> mark- <laughs> marketers to think more about how to um, tap into the everyday like activities of the audience and then using data to kind of like inform that, right? So I'm trying to think of, a, of an example, a really good example. So there is this, uh, this, uh, fitness guru that I follow. Her name is Kiara Lachey. She started off as like a YouTuber. I'm doing Mm. fitness, um, videos and now she has her own program. And so one thing that she does is kind of like tap into the everyday feelings uh, that people going on their fitness journey have. So like you need these DVDs. Yes. But then also like, I need a support group. (laughs) So she'll send send us to like a Facebook group where we have all these women like uploading their videos and their stories and that keeps us motivated. Um, She'll send us like little reminders and being like, hey girl, I don't want anything. I just want to tell you to keep going. And those are things that you feel whenever you're like, when you're on your uh, fitness journey, just like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't feel like doing this. And she's like, no, no, no. You can, you will, and you have support like on all these different places to kind of help you get there. And so I think by knowing 
what the normal struggles are for people who are going through like their fitness journey. She taps into that and then creates content and systems to kind of help talk to you when you're going through that kind of, uh, when you're going through those kind of like everyday situations. And so I think if businesses did that more, so thinking about, okay, typically a customer of like this sort, what is their day-to-day? Like, how are they interacting with our, our platforms and our content already? What do we want them to do? Um, what would they actually like to do that we're not doing? Yeah. Um, and how can, and like, what data is informing that? So like, are we seeing different engagement metrics that aren't being met um, or, or surpassing our expectations or even in observations? Like if you're uh, talking to your sales team, like, what are they saying whenever you bring up so-and-so and so-and-so? What are they yeah. not saying, you know? And getting that information and taking it back to the drawing board and being like, okay, during this particular time of their life, they're feeling this way, they're acting this way, they're seeing and experiencing outside of our product um, these things. How can we create content that kind of helps them in that space, that kind of eases that space and optimize that space? Um, And then you do that for the most imperative um, parts of their life cycle in terms of like decision-making, um, in terms of like how it's going to optimize their life. But then of course, like you are in business, so (laughs) you also need to make sure it optimizes your bottom line. But the more you help people in my experience and the more that also helps you in the end, because they see you as, uh, I don't want to say a godsend because that's just arrogant, but (laughs) they can see you as something that's really valuable to them. And then, and vice versa, they'll be valuable to you. Yeah. Now you talked about the difference between acquisition versus retention. I couldn't agree more. You know, retention I think is often overlooked because acquisition feels so sexy to a degree. Uh-huh. And so, you know, often you have this customer, they buy this thing, and then if you know, a lot of times it just stops, right? You're not like doing anything with them, you're not nurturing them, you're not engaging with them, you're not building them into you know, so on so uh social ambassadors, so to speak. Right. And so you know, kind of applying that to some of the different customer touch points. How do you see that being different for retention versus acquisition? I think with retention, I feel like you have a much easier time actually (laughs) making more content that's valuable, but also like increasing your business because you have a captive audience. The little things really matter. Message personalization is the number one tactic used by email marketers to improve performance according to HubSpot. Now, why is that? It's because creating a personalized and customized message really resonates with consumers and the community that you're targeting. It makes people feel like, wow, they took took an effort, they took a step, they did something that they didn't have to do, and your audience is really appreciative and responds to that. And ultimately, it's one of the driving forces between not only retaining customers, but creating brand ambassadors that rave about your brand. Someone has already said, you know what, I'm buying into whatever you're selling for whatever reason. I like you. (laughs) And I show that by making a purchase, you know. And so once you have them like in your, like in your domain or whatever like you can really dig into them and be like okay so why did like how did you find us anyway what what made you want to purchase from us what was going on at that certain time um do you have friends that actually go through something similar do you think that they need some help how would they need help you know and then and then also giving them incentives too uh helps um 
But I think the most effective thing is like making them feel like a community, right? So I'm trying to think of a um, of an example of that. So uh, let me see. There is uh, Art. I always butcher his last name, and I should not. Um, <laughs> his. Let me use another one. Okay. So there is a uh, artist that I follow. His name is Big Crit, and I love him. And um, a music artist. And so I think the first time that I went to like a concert of his, it was like amazing, amazing. Um, But I also didn't know that they also have like a Facebook group for that. So there's like a whole bunch of like critters in there just like really Mm -hmm. supporting him. Um, But then he's also like, do you know anybody who would like music like this or who would like to be a part of like a certain club that has like X, Y, and Z features? But it played to like, people who are really into like lyricism and creativity and also who are Southern and things like that. Um, we're like, yeah, we know people. He's like, yeah, bring them on. And we might have like a, a nice little like private setting for y'all to like have like a concert or something mm-hmm. like that. I'm like, okay, cool. But okay. I'm part of the Crick community. I'm going to bring some more people into this. Um, and so I naturally became an ambassador because I love him. <laughs> and I love, the, I love the team or like the community. I should say what well, feels like a team. Um, and I want other people to experience what I'm experiencing. And so I feel like when you're trying to create that bond on the front end with the acquisition, people are like, I don't know you. <laughs> like, I may be trying you out, but like, we don't really have a connection. Like, it's like dating. It's like, yeah. why, why, are we, why are you asking me all these like really intimate questions? Like, we haven't even gone out for coffee yet. Stop. <laughs> but, like, but once you like make, go out on that date, you make that first interaction, then you start really getting deep into like, okay, what other things do you like? What other aspirations do you have? Um, I don't know. How could I be more of service to you? Uh, I think using that data and engaging them on a consistent basis helps them one helps uh, you stay top of mind with them so they also know that you value what they're giving you and telling you because they see implemented in your content and in your like your offerings um but then they also feel like in some way they know you because you've engaged with them so many times that they're naturally going to say like hey well this brand does so and so and so and so you would probably like this because we've talked about this you should join and then that's how the referrals come I think that's a great point too about authenticity and like finding those ways to connect with people naturally and organically because oftentimes that's what creates the best engagement Mm -hmm. authenticity equals trust The latest Gustafson brand trust study found that trust had declined for almost all brands. And further, it discovered that while trust in key institutions has been eroding significantly over the past few years, and we need not look no further than the state of our current political environment, the average brand trust score for all brands surveyed in 2020 was at an all-time low. Listen, people are very skeptical right now. They don't feel like people are being honest and real with them. And the brands that are able to create that connection and really genuinely show people, hey, this is who we are, aligning again, we go back to what we were saying earlier with the mission statement, those are the brands that will win. So, you know, talking a little bit more about marketing communities, how can we as marketers build better marketing communities? (laughs) <laughs> so that's a good question. 
I think we can, so one, build better marketing communities by actually using data (laughs) Um, and referencing it often um, and letting that drive our decision-making. I think another really good thing that we can do as marketers um, (laughs) is look at how other, look at how other industries are doing things. that are similar to us, maybe like adjacent, mm-hmm. um, to see if we can learn different things. So example is we have, the marketers have a uh, customer journey that we follow, right? Yeah. Um, it is usually like you have, well, all the different steps from like acquisition and they're learning about things. So like considering all that good stuff, but at every different point, we're trying to put content there to sell. Like that's usually how marketers look at it. But if you if you study how um, designers and UX thinkers kind of put products and services together, it's all from like a human behavior and like service mindset. So like, can like the user actually use this app that we're creating? Why are they coming here? Um, how do they naturally like work within like an app like this? Like they're always thinking about how to improve and make things better based on like habits and motivations. Yeah. And so and their customer journey is named the same thing, but they they think differently through all those stages. And so I'm just like, ooh, I want to do it this way because they have service, they are service oriented. Yeah. Um, we need to make sure that people can actually use this product. And so I think of marketers kind of like stepped outside ourselves um, and not only saw ourselves like marketing experts, but marketing explorers. Like, what are some other ideas that we're not considering? Yeah, I think that can make us a stronger and more compelling community because we're not one. You're not selling things the same way every single time. Like, you have a myriad of different examples of how you can approach things um, in a way that's exciting for you as a marketer, but also it creates really awesome experiences for your customers. So how would you say you're doing this at Teach for America? And what are some challenges you've run into? (laughs) Good question. So I'm I'm trying to think of a a good example of how we have done this. So when all of the uh, chaos happened, in summer 2020 with George Floyd, um, in terms of like protests and just, well, I don't want to say chaos. I mean, it was, but like there were so much things happening around that yeah. particular incident. And because we cater to um, black and brown communities in regards to like helping students like elevate their learning, um, our well, pretty much like our whole network wanted to know like if we were going to say anything about this, how we were going to say stuff about this and like how, like what was our stance um, and what we were going to be doing about it, specifically our prospects because they're younger, they're Gen Zers, they, they don't yeah. play. <laughs> they're very like socially conscious. And so they were asking us too. And so we took the questions that they had, the concerns that they had, things they wanted to talk about. And we're like, okay, how can we address this in this moment for them? Um, but also how can we explore this ourselves as an organization? And we ended up coming up with this concept called pop class. And it's literally like a pop-up class um, that we had. Um, And we had all these subject matter experts come in and speak on the different things that they wanted to hear about. So it wasn't us 
speaking yeah. about it. It was people that we were aligned with, some of them alumni, some of them uh, other uh, experts in their field coming in and using our platform to talk about things that our prospects wanted to hear about. And then in addition to that, which is my favorite part, was that we had like an open chat throughout the sessions, the video sessions. And when I tell you these kids were going in, just like all these ideas, all these questions, all these like, they formed like book groups. They formed like offsite, like meetups. They, just, they took the event to a whole nother level to where they deepened their passion for like social justice pretty much on their own. But it was sparked by, or I don't say sparked by, but like our event contributed to that kind of activity. Yeah. And it was because we listened to, we listened to what they were saying. Um, and even looking at the, the historical data that we have from like other kind of like content, like engage, uh, newsletters and social media and stuff like that. So we looked at the metrics in, ter- in terms of like what performed the best in terms of like social justice topics combined with uh, the different submissions that they were sending us and being like, okay, so this is how we can probably address this. Let's see how this works. And it took off. And then um, when the, we take surveys, I believe, well, I don't know when they take surveys, but I know we take surveys like at the end of their application process to see like why they decided to join. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people mentioned that piece of content like pop class. That's awesome. And so that's a really good example of how we were able to use that. And now we're trying to learn how to do that more consistently. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, I think one of the things that will help is, uh, and this could also help other marketing teams, being really close to your data people. So setting up like regular meetings with them and having them break down like the metrics that you need to understand so that way you can do your work. So we're starting to do that. And then also kind of visualizing that to make sure that we understand what you're actually saying in terms of what the data means to our team. Um, And then using that data to be like, okay, well, based on what the analytics team said, based on the data that we have too, here's how we can move to either like improve this specific piece of content or even create a new product that elevates these conversations that our audience is having. That's such a great example. I also yeah. think it's a great example of how a community is about the people. Like the people are the ones that make it come alive, not necessarily the actions you take if you're doing it right, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you you do things like you're saying to help foster it, help create the environment, but it's the people and those connections that really make it larger than what. Yeah. And that's, I think that's when, that's when you really know that you have something really good because I, I, I wish you could have seen the chat. It was going a mile a minute. And I was like, can I, I mean, I know I'm not a prospect, but can I join your book club? These are really good <laughs> <laughs> and I was able to like learn from them too. And I think that's another thing too, as marketing professionals you have to humble yourself to like learn from your audience like yeah you are an explorer they the, these are their everyday problems or and like aspirations that they're thinking about on a constant basis and you're a subset of that like a, a possible solution yeah. not the only solution so there's always things that you can learn from them to figure out how you can do your job better not just trying to get them to like yeah. sell and again that's where that's where data comes in right because you could have a gut what you think it's going to be Mm-hmm. But then it's like, okay, is it right? Is it wrong? And sometimes maybe it is a proof point. And okay, my gut's right. But other mm-hmm. times it's, oh, well, we were really off. This is, <laughs> this is what, like, this is the direction we should take based on what you're seeing. And I think mm-hmm. that's really where data can have a huge impact on dire- the direction that you're taking as an organization. Yeah. Community is driven by the consumers, not the brand. 
Consumers are 2.4x more likely to say user-generated content is authentic compared to brand-created content. What really drives positive, authentic community building happens at the consumer level. It happens with your customers, your potential customers, your advocates. They're the ones who lead the charge. And if you're doing it right, like in the example that Alexandria just said, when you create content that is fueled by your consumers, by the people that you're targeting, that's when you'll truly get authentic community building. Well, um, I did want to touch on, because I know one of your core missions is to help individuals and small business owners to create and dictate their narratives in unique and profitable ways. I wanted to talk a little bit about how you are doing this and why this is so important to you. I I really want people to dig into their individual stories, like using your core values, um, your core beliefs to really drive like everything that you do. I feel like that has been the most easiest way to get like well get attention but like build a community but also as, as marketed to try and get attention so yes get attention as well <laughs> <laughs> but um when you are able to kind of lead from that point of view everything else comes easier to you because you know exactly what you want to talk about you know exactly um who you want to talk to who's going to resonate with their message who's going to amplify your message but then also you know those are the same people who are going to like reflect that to you and you kind of learn something and take that in for yourself and it's kind of like a reciprocal kind of like uh uh, exchange in regards to like your customers and you as a as a content platform or a, a corporation or nonprofit or however whatever you are <laughs> um and so i think Tapping into tapping into that first um, is really powerful because it also just flows easier. Like when when we first introduced or we first started talking, like I knew that you loved data by the way you talked about data. Like yeah. there's different inflections in your book. Like you live data <laughs> in yeah. storytelling. And I could tell that you could, and that and that made like our conversation really easy because yeah. you're talking to someone who speaks your language. Um, but but it's also because it's something that you really believe in. Yeah. And so when you're able to kind of like solidify that. Um, and then use data to kind of find out where those people are um, who can vibe with you like that. Uh, and then finding out, once you find that community, um, how you can best serve them and how they can also help you in the long run, like it gives you a constant state of like ideas, um, potential like product offerings, um, and just different ways to serve. And so you like you always know where they are at their different parts of their life. So you're always relevant. Yeah. You're always relevant to each other. Um, and so you don't really have to, I shouldn't say you have you shouldn't have to worry about acquisition because times also change too, right? So you can be growing with the same audience, but there's new people and new ideas and new things happening all around you all the time. Yeah. Um, but all those things can change, but values hardly do. Yeah. So those values can help you sustain throughout all these different changes and bring in new people with new ideas um, and new problems that you can help solve. And so it helps you stay uh, sustainable as a business in the long term. Yeah. And I, I think at the heart, that's what content marketing is about, right? It's about mm. staying true to your brand values, your brand principles, whatever those things are that you want to stand for like creating new ideas, creating new ways of doing it, finding, you know, new quality content, so to speak, that can really connect with those people. 
Yeah, because it's all, and I think that's the great thing about being in the marketing space, at least for me, things are always <laughs> changing. Oh, things are always changing. And you can either embrace the change or you can go against it. But if you go against it, you're going to get left. That's how Blockbuster got left behind. <laughs> so, you know, but you have to, and that's, that's a good thing about data too, because data will tell you where things are going. Yeah. Right. And so instead of just being like, well, I don't really know about that or like, that's not what we do. When you stick to your core values, when you leave from your core values, you, you're set on like a mission and not like a tactic. Right. Yeah. And so like, if you're able to shift into this new, like digital space, is your mission still intact? Is your vision still intact? Yeah. yeah. Then experiment and let your audience kind of tell you what they want to see. It doesn't have to be like a really big like project or a piece of content. It can be like a small improvement that it's in a digital space that really helps elevate their lives. Yeah. Um, and, and then you can kind of get feedback from them in terms of like, okay, did this actually help? Like, what would you like to see more of? What kind of things are confusing to you that you want to see less of? Um, and you kind of go from there and you're always growing with your community. No, and I, th- I think that's that's a great point. And one of the, like, you know, you could look at, for example, you know, we see a lot like video, for example, like the platforms, there's a lot, you know, you got Clubhouse, you got Twitter spaces, you got all these things coming out and there's new ways that you can kind of explore with different types of content. But mm-hmm. at the heart, your, your content values, the things that you talk about, the things that you prioritize should always be the same. Exactly. Well, what's the rest of your roadmap looking like for 2021? What's the rest of my roadmap looking like? Girl, let me see. So, <laughs> um, so I have been personally at work uh, trying to figure out what's the easiest way to visualize data. Um, that's my been my little passion project as of late. It's been fun for me just because I get I love talking to people who love data. So um, me and the data people are like besties. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out a way to systemize that to where not only our team can use it, but the other marketing teams can also uh, emulate a, a similar system that works for them in terms of the content and the products that they're coming up with. So that's one thing. Um, I am also... <laughs> I'm also trying to see if I can get certified in it's a, the concept is called charrettes and it's for like community. I think it's called like community, de- community decision design. Okay. And so basically like you take um, people, typically people from opposite sides of like a particular topic and you bring them together to kind of like problem solve on something Uh and you take all their truths from opposite sides, all their issues, and you kind of combine that and say, okay, how can we align in some of these areas? What are the most important areas um, that you think we should uh, concentrate on and based on like what data um, and based on like what sentiments? And then how can we together go forward to make a unified decision that benefits the community as a whole from these opposing sides? Um, That's really awesome. I I, for, I think I learned about it from this movie called The Best of Enemies. Hmm. Um, it's a really, really good movie about like a civil rights leader and a KKK leader who had to come together to come up with, uh, uh, I think it was like a policy for like where uh, the Black children should go because of their church, not the church, their school had burned down. Yeah. And so they had to come together to kind of like problem solve. And so... When I saw that, I'm like, I feel like that happens. 
Um, and just like everyday interactions at work, like you have opposing teams who don't want to work together. Just like they, they want to do things differently. So how can I use that same concept to kind of bring folks together to make a decision that benefits both like parties? Yeah. Um, so again, that's another example of like using something else outside of my field to kind of like help me inform how I work. Uh, so I'm going to be starting that soon and I'm really excited and just digging into different kinds of like information and leadership professional development that kind of follows along that line. Like how can I use data to make better decisions and more better informed decisions that benefit a good majority of people? Um so that way we can continue making like bigger impacts. That's what I'm focusing on for the rest of 2021. That's so awesome. That, that's really cool too, by the way, that project that you're working on. That's a really interesting way of looking at looking at culture and problem solving and all those types of things. So yeah, that's, that sounds like a fun project. Thank you. Well, where can listeners find you? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. My name was really long. <laughs> Alexandria <laughs> Cormier Hill. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, there's a Z after A-L-E-X-Z. Thanks to my mom, Alexandria. Um, and then I'm also on Twitter at chill underscore the uh, creator. And instead of an E, there's a C A wait, C R Cre oh, C R eight. OR. Okay. Um, and that's mainly where I talk about just like audience engagement and everything, branding and marketing. And, and I love to connect on those two platforms specifically because I think they're underutilized too. Facebook, I love, not Facebook, but LinkedIn, I love, I should say. So yeah, please, please connect with me on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, definitely connect with her. I, it was absolutely great having you on today. Super fun chatting with you. Yeah. you know wish you the best in the future and on this project that you're working on thank you there's anything that i can do to support you and your podcast and your brand like let me let me know i'm a fan you're my data friend now so awesome well again thank you so much and it was a pleasure having you on today same thank you thanks for listening to this episode of your brand your story podcast find us on social at the data outlier and our brand handle at Ingram Digital. To learn more about the podcast episode, go to www.yourbrandyourstorypodcast.com and continue the conversation or use the hashtag yourbrandyourstory.